If you look in the beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis, you'll find that Adam and Eve enjoyed intimate fellowship in the presence of God before the fall. And when you turn back to the end of the book, which is the book of Revelations, you'll also learn that there will be a day when every believer in this world will enjoy the presence of God for all eternity. Glory to God. And that is our hope. So when we look at the, the omnipresence of God, the word is a, it's, it's a big word, but it's used to describe this particular attribute. But the word omnipresence simply means that God is present all the time. He is always present. We're talking about a God whose complete essence is fully present in all the places at all times. Think about that. In other words, God is present always, everywhere at the same time. Now, if I was a superhero and I had a choice to make or to choose a, a certain superpower, it would be this. I mean, that would be awesome to be omnipresent. Think about this. I could be here with you preaching this message while at the same time enjoying breakfast at Country Kitchen <laughs> and at the same time I'm at home catching some sleep. That is awesome. Amen. But unfortunately, I don't have that power. Only one person possessed that power, and that is God Almighty. And he is not limited by time or space. If there was at least one place where God is not present, then he is not omnipresent. But there is not a place that God is not. Now, let me talk to you about three things that we need to know about the omnipresence of God. Go with me to Jeremiah 23 and look at verse 24. Because God is an infinite spirit, he is not restricted in being in one location at a time. In Jeremiah 23 and verse 24, it says this. Can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him? In other words, what it's saying is, is there a place that you can hide where God can't see you? And then it responds and says, do I not fill the heavens and the earth? In other words, God's presence fills every inch of space throughout the universe with all of his wonderful and personal attributes. Look at 1 King in chapter 8. And look, beginning verse 26. Here Solomon had just completed building the temple. And he was about to dedicate this temple as a dwelling place for the glory of God. And then he offers up a prayer of dedication. And this is what he said in verse 26. Now, O God Israel, of God of Israel, fulfill this promise to your servant David, my father. Now look at verse 27. But will God really live on earth? While even the highest heavens cannot contain you, how much less this temple I have built. Solomon recognized that God's presence is not limited to a building, simply because you cannot contain his presence. In Isaiah 66 and verse 1 describes God as being so immense. He says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. And he says, could you build me a temple as good as that? How can anyone contain the immeasurable presence of God? No one, not even the highest heaven can contain him. So, of course, when we look here in the sanctuary... 
Even the sanctuary cannot contain his very presence. If you can even imagine that. All of God exists everywhere at the same time. God is not broken up into parts to fit into different areas of the universe. But every piece of the universe has the entire presence of God. Glory to God. God fills every inch of space throughout the universe with all of his wonderful attributes. The second thing that we need to know about the presence of God or the omnipresence of God is God is too big to avoid. Now, we can try to avoid each other, but you can never avoid God. Go to Psalm chapter 139 and look at verse 7. David understood that all of God exists everywhere because he says this in verse 7. I can never escape from your spirit and I can never get away from your presence. In other words, I can never avoid your presence, O God. God is spirit and therefore because he's spirit, he exists everywhere at the same time. And look at verse 8 because he goes on to say the inevitable results of someone that tries to avoid God, he says this in verse 8. If I go to heaven, you are there. And if I go down to the grave, guess what? You are there. What, uh, what uh, David was uh, describing was Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. So as we're all gathered together here in this sanctuary, the Lord is here. Those of you who are watching by live stream, whether you're watching in front of the television, whether you're watching in front of a tablet or a phone, the Lord is there. And when we leave the service at the end, and we all go into our vehicles and go to our homes or to a restaurant or wherever, guess what? The Lord is there. You can't avoid him. So God's presence is much too big to avoid. There's absolutely no place where we can avoid his presence. None. The third thing is that God's presence is too big to run from and to ignore. Go to Jonah chapter 1, and let's look at verses 1 and 2. Jonah, as we learn, or as we know, learned a very valuable lesson. Unfortunately, he learned the hard way. In verse 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So God gives uh, Jonah instructions, telling him, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to bring this message of judgment to these people. And if you know the story, we know that Jonah did not want to go. Has God ever told you to do something that you didn't want to do? Don't raise your hands. Jonah did not want to go. Listen to Jonah's response. Look at verse 3. But Jonah arose to flee from Tarshish, to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He says, he went down to Joppa, found a ship to go into Tarshish, which was actually 2,000 miles away. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. You cannot run from God. Now, you can run from God, but you certainly cannot hide from God. If you remember what what God says in Jeremiah 23 and verse 24, when he says, is there a place where you can hide where I can't see you? So he tries to ignore God. 
God gives him an assignment, and he says, I'm not doing it. He decides to travel 2,000 miles away. But how many of you know that 2,000 miles is not far enough to avoid God? Amen? So Jonah found out the hard way that you cannot ignore God and run. David, if you remember in Psalm 197 and, uh, 139 and verse 7 that we just read, he says, where can I go from your presence or from your spirit? Or where can I run from your presence? Whenever you run from God and you get to where you're going, he's already there because you'll run right into him. Have you ever tried running from God? Have you ever tried ignoring God? Every time I ignore God, he just won't leave me alone. Right? Just as light and air fills a room, God fills the entire universe with himself. Hallelujah. With his presence. You can't run from God without running into him. And we can learn something from Jonah's experience. The Bible tells us that all scripture is written for our example and also for our learning. So let's learn this lesson. Lesson number one, go to Jonah chapter one and look at verse four. Now, Jonah refused to do what God said, decided to travel 2000 miles away from God, which he realized it was not far enough. And in verse four, in his journey to where he wanted to go, he it says this, the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea and there was a great storm on the sea so that the ship was about to break up. Jonah, in his desperate attempt to run from God and from his presence, runs into a terrible storm. The scripture says that the boat was about to break up. Here's lesson number one. God will stir things up around you just to get your attention. Have you ever been in a situation where you know that God was telling you to do something and you ignored him, not purposely, but consciously you didn't want to do what he told you to do? And somehow, you just didn't feel rest or peace. Things happen around you. Things just, just doesn't seem to go right. And you wonder, could it be that maybe God was stirring something up so that he can get your attention? Here's lesson number two. Whenever you run from God, you wind up being greatly inconvenienced. When you run from God, the trip or the direction, when you run from something or someone, you always go the opposite direction. When you run from God, the direction that you choose to go will always be longer and harder than it would be if you stayed with God. Amen. Here's lesson number three. Nothing good exists outside of God's presence. Jonah got into that ship thinking that he was going to go a long ways, thinking that once he gets to Tarshish, he doesn't have to hear from God. But when he went to Tarshish instead of Nineveh, things got rough. He got on that boat. Just as he was about to relax, all of a sudden he runs into a violent storm. It was a very dangerous storm. The boat began to break. And the crew member found out that it was Jonah's fault for the, for the situation around them. So they threw him off the boat into the water. And to make matters worse, he got swallowed up by a whale. Needless to say, Jonah had a very bad day. 
Have you ever had a bad day? But when you run to God, hallelujah, you can get to where you want to go without all the inconvenience and hardships in between. Are you hearing me this morning? All of God exists everywhere. Because God's presence is too big to contain. God's presence is too big to avoid. And God's presence is too big to run from and ignore. Now, let's talk about the manifest presence of God. Now, there's a difference between the omnipresence of God and the uh, manifest presence of God. We know that the omnipresence of God means to be present everywhere at the same time. God's manifest presence, however, is when, God is pre- when God's presence is obvious and clear to the eyes and to the mind. That word manifest in the Bible, in the Greek, is translated to the English word, which means to exhibit or to reveal. It also means to be made clear or obvious to the eyes and to the mind by demonstration of one's actions or appearance. An example, how do you know when someone has a cold? By their symptoms, right? The symptoms is a manifestation of the person's condition. So when we talk about the manifestation of God's presence, we are talking about a demonstration, an expression, an indication that God is with us. And it's become clear and obvious to the eyes and to the mind. I've often shared with you when my wife and I, we were going through some, you know, trials and, um, and, and you know what it's like to go through a difficult time, you know, whether it's financial or health or whatever. And then you're crying out to God and you're praying. You know, you're doing the right thing. You're going to God. But you don't hear from God. And days go by and there's no changes. And then you begin to wonder, God, did you hear me? Or God, are you there? But God has a way of revealing his presence so we experienced the manifestation of his presence when with a time when we were going through a difficult time with financial difficulties and, uh, you know, and, and, and you're up against the, the wall and, and you, you're trying to pay your bills and pay your mortgage and feed four children. And it's, it's not easy. And you're working two jobs and, and you're working overtime. You're doing everything you can to try to make as much money to, to pay off your bills and do all these things. But then you find it's not enough and you're still struggling. And we're praying, sometimes with much tears. And we're praying, sometimes and even in anger. But we're praying. But then God manifests his presence. When, you, when we get a check here for $100, or when we get another check over here for $50, or when we get bags of groceries delivered to our house, or we get even more money, and, 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 and you see God manifesting his presence He's letting us know that through the difficult times that we're going, he's saying, I'm there. I'm with you. I know what you're going through. And I got you. That is the manifestation of his presence. When it becomes obvious and clear to the eyes and to the mind that God is there. Hallelujah. And I believe that every one of us here this morning have experienced the manifestation of God's presence. You know, it's one thing to know that God is there. 
It's one thing to know of his, to be aware of his presence, but it's an, another thing when you experience his presence. Amen. And that's what we want every day of our lives. We want to experience God's presence. We want to know that God is there. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a present help in trouble. That means that God is ready to step in to help us in our time of trouble, letting us know that he is there. Jehovah Shammah. God's desire is to make himself known and to make himself real. God doesn't want to be a mystery to us. He wants us to know that he is and that he exists. Hallelujah. Now, let's look at some, an example of God's manifest presence. Go with me to Genesis chapter 37. Look at verse 28 as we look at the tragic story of Joseph. Many of us know the story. Joseph had 11 brothers. And Joseph was the favorite of all the brothers. Matter of fact, Joseph, you could say, was, was kind of spoiled. And Joseph's brothers hated him and were envious of him. They hated him so much that they wanted to kill him. But instead, they decided to sell him into slavery. So you know the story. In verse 28, it says, So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brother pulled him out of the cistern or the well where they put him, and then sold him for 20 pieces of silver, and the traders took him to Egypt. Now, Joseph at the time was 17 years of age, and his life was shaken. His whole world came crashing down as they took him away from home and carried him off to Egypt. Now, go to Genesis chapter 39 and look at verses 1 and 2. It says, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelites, traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian, an Egyptian officer. And Potiphar was a captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Now, with all that's happened to Joseph, and put yourself in his shoes. Your family members hate you, and they did you wrong, and did you dirty. And you have a hard time trying to wrap your brain around this. Why? And then you ask the question, where is Jehovah Shammah? The Lord is there. Joseph lost everything. He lost his family. He lost his friends. He lost his possessions. He lost all of his material comforts. And most of all, he lost his freedom. But the one thing he did not lose was the presence of God. <laughs> Glory to God. Look at Genesis chapter 39. Look at verse 2. With all that's happened to Joseph, it says, And the Lord was with Joseph. And so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of, his, of the Egyptian master. Nothing can be so valuable as the presence of God, even in the midst of chaos, confusion, Depression, trials, and tragedies. There's something about his presence that gives us strength and faith and perseverance. Even in the midst of tragedy and misfortune that was beyond Joseph's control, he not only was, uh, 
God was not only with Joseph, but his presence became very obvious to his mind and to his eyes. And how did he know that? How did he know that God was present? Because God caused him to succeed and be prosperous in everything he did. And we're talking about a slave now. But in, even in the most difficult circumstances, God knows how to get you through in those things, in those places, because of his presence. Hallelujah. Now, understand that even though Joseph prospered, he, he, he succeeded in everything as a servant, as a house slave. That wasn't by chance. That wasn't by coincidence. And that certainly wasn't pure luck. It was a manifest presence of God expressing himself and demonstrating that God is there. Joseph experienced the manifest presence of God. And I said, as I mentioned to you before, it's one thing to know or be aware of his presence. It's totally another when you actually experience his presence in your life. Hallelujah. Now go to Genesis chapter 39 because God made his presence clear and obvious to Joseph. But even the master recognized God's presence in his life. In verse 3 of Genesis chapter 39, it says this. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hands. Now, it says that the prophet saw something, something that convinced him that something divine, something supernatural was going on in Joseph's life. And he recognized that God was with him. When God is present in your life and he's manifesting his presence in you and through you, other people begin to notice. They begin to recognize that there's something supernatural that's going on in your life. That's because God's presence is there. He is manifesting and demonstrating his presence through your life. Oh, come on now. But yet, in spite of all the wonderful things that's starting to happen in Joseph's life, he suffered another setback. And again, you know the story. He was falsely accused of sexual assault against his master's wife. And we know the story. It was his wife, the master's wife, who was trying to pursue him, trying to seduce him, trying to get him to lay with her. And because Joseph was very much aware of God's presence, he maintained his integrity and his convictions and stayed faithful to God. That's one of the things about being aware of his presence. It helps us to maintain our integrity, even in the midst of temptation. When you know that God is there, when you know his presence is there, you will not dare do anything that's going to harm your relationship with God. Even, even you can tell that Joseph knew that God was present in his life because when he, because when he was cornered by Potiphar's wife, he tells his wife, how can I do this wicked thing? And how can I sin against God? Obviously, he was so very much aware that God was present in his life, that he would not dare dishonor God. It's something to know and be aware of God's presence that's going to help you do the right thing, make the right choices, and stay right before God. So he suffered a major setback. He was falsely accused of something he didn't do, and he was thrown in prison. Go to verse 20 of Genesis 39. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisons were confined, and he was there in the prison. 
Joseph faced an injustice, being falsely accused, being thrown into prison for something he didn't do. It was unfair. It was terrible. He got a raw deal. And he lost his trust in Potiphar. Or actually, he lost Potiphar's trust in him. He lost his place and his position in Potiphar's home. He lost everything. But the one thing he did not lose is the presence of God. Look at verse 21 of Genesis 39. But the Lord was with Joseph and he showed mercy and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of prison. So once again, we see God demonstrating his presence during Joseph's unfortunate circumstances. And because God's presence followed, and here's a wonderful thing. Even, he got thrown, even though he got thrown into prison, God's presence followed him. And along with his presence came mercy and favor. I like what David says in Psalm 23 and verse 6 when he says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Even in the, when he says all the days of my life, we're talking about all the good days and also all the bad days. Hallelujah. And look at verse 23. The last part of verse 23, while he was serving time in prison, the Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Once again, he experienced the manifest presence of God. Even when you're going through stuff, you can still feel his presence in your life. That's just God's way of saying, I'm there. I've not gone anywhere. I'll help get you through this. So all through Joseph's tragic life, God was not a spectator. He was an active participator in his life. God made himself clear. He made himself obvious that he was there. And with God's presence came success in everything that, that, Abra- that Joseph did, even despite the circumstances in his life. He prospered as a slave, and he prospered as a convict. I, I just love that. You can prosper when you're dejected. You can prosper when you've been defeated. You can prosper when you're going through stuff. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter what the conditions are. Hallelujah. His manifest presence makes the difference. I heard someone say this. God's presence can make prison a palace. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. We are so fortunate to know that God is present with us. He is with us every day of our lives. In God's presence, Joseph experienced favor, mercy, strength, success, and perseverance in all that he did, even though his situation was difficult. It's better to face adversity with someone than facing adversity by yourself. And God is committed to face any adversity in your life right alongside of you. I like what David says in Psalm 23 and verse 4. He said, Yea, who I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Is anyone going through a difficult time this morning? Is anyone going through some hard times or hardships? Is any of you in a dark place that is beyond your control? 
Are you struggling this morning? Well, be of good cheer and be encouraged. God is there. And he wants to manifest his presence in your life through those difficult times. So I want you to expect that. I want you to, to know that that's happening. And listen to this. During the time that Joseph was in Potiphar's house all the way to the time that he was in prison, there was a 13-year uh, uh, that, that took place. 13 years of his life as a slave. 13 years of his life being taken away from his family. But during those 13 years that he was a slave where he didn't have freedom, God was already working out for his release. When you're going through stuff, and it seems like you've been going it through a long time, God is already working something out to get you through. Now, he waited 13 years. And even during those 13 years when he was in prison, when he met, uh, I think it was the butler, who was, used to work for the king, and he was thrown in prison, and God gave Joseph the gift of interpretation of dreams. Now, that gift of interpretation was one of God's way of manifesting his presence and preparing Joseph for his release. And so when he was able to interpret the butler's dream, the dream came true. And he was restored back to the king's palace and, and re got restored his position. And before he was released from prison, Joseph says to the butler, please remember me while I'm here. Put in a good word for me. So I can get out of here. But he didn't hear from the butler for two years. Talk about disappointment. But in those two years, God was already working something out. He was already working on his release. Because when the time came when Pharaoh was having some dreams, and no one in the land could interpret those dreams, the butler said, hey, wait a minute. I know someone. He's in prison right now, but I think he can help you. And that was the beginning of, God, of his release and success because from that point on, and again, we know the story, he was elevated to a high position, a position of influence and a position of power. We're talking about a slave and a convict. But this doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you're going through. God can elevate you to a place that is far better than the place that you're in right now. That is the manifest presence of God. Look at Genesis chapter 41. Look at verse 40 and 41. It says this. You shall be over my house in all. Now this is Pharaoh talking to Joseph now. After he interpreted uh, the, the Pharaoh's dream, the Pharaoh was, was, was happy and excited. And he said, you shall be over my house and all of my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. A far cry from the time when he was sold into slavery by his brothers, was brought into the slave market, and then was sold once again to Potiphar, where he served as a house slave, then was falsely accused and thrown into prison, and now look where he is. But through all that experience, what we see is the manifest presence of God working in Joseph's life. And see, this is what I want you to see. This is what I want you to understand. God's presence is constantly working. He's not there just to be a spectator. He's there to be an active participator in your life. Now, with the time that we have remaining, let's talk about the indwelling presence of God. 
Now, I may not get through this, but that's okay. I think you've got the gist of the message. We saw that God's manifest presence was able to do what, what, what it's able to do in Joseph's life. Now, imagine how much more will his manifest presence do in us. In Ephesians 3 and verse 20, it says this. Now, all glory to God. Now, I'm reading this from the New Living Translation. Now, all glory to God, who is able through the, his ministry, power at work. Oh, let me read this again. Who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Now, the New King James Version says this. Now, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now, Paul was talking about the manifestation of God's presence that is in every born-again believer. And that power derives from the Holy Spirit that is in us. His presence is in us by His Spirit. And He manifests Himself in so many ways. Sometimes, you know, I, and I'm sure many of you experience this, where, you know, all, you know, you just get prompted all of a sudden to pray. That's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Or sometimes you're reading and studying your word, the Word of God, and all of a sudden a revelation comes forth from a verse of Scripture that you didn't see. That's a manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. Or sometimes you're in a situation, you don't know what to do, and all of a sudden something drops inside of you within instructions. I remember a story Pastor John shared when, when, you was at, uh, when he was an attorney. And I, I'm always amazed by this story because, and just to, you know, I'm not going to say the whole story, but the part was that he was in a very difficult trial, and he was against all of these big-wig lawyers, and he didn't know what to do. Right, Pastor John? Didn't have any direction, not sure how to handle this. But then he took a, I guess what you, uh, you had a, uh, yeah, yeah, recess, yeah. And then he went and prayed. And when he got into the court, he already had the answer what to do. And he won the case. But that's a manifestation of God's presence or the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. Giving you wisdom, giving you direction, giving you clarity, giving you understanding. Just giving you the strength that you need, enabling you to get through some difficult times. And we experience that every day of our lives, whether we realize it or not. But when you leave here this morning, I want you to take notice of the manifest presence of God inside of you. I want you to realize that God is with you. I want you to always be aware of his presence in your life. And when you get a prompting, when you get a revelation, when you get some, some sort of um, revelation or understanding or direction, know that it's the Spirit of God helping you in that moment of need, of need or time of need. That is the manifest presence of God by His Spirit. Let me just give you a couple of examples from the Scriptures. And then we'll close. On the day of Pentecost, I remember when the disciples were all gathered in the upper room. As they were waiting and praying for the promise. And in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 2, it says, Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared 
and settled in, on each of them. And then again, we're we talking about how they experienced the manifest presence of God by the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 4. And then everyone that was present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages or other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them a, their, this ability. In other words, we, they experienced the manifest presence of God in that moment where the place shook and the Spirit of God came upon them and filled them. They, they began to speak in other tongues. Look at Acts chapter 4. Look at verse 31. We see another example of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit during a prayer meeting. And after this prayer, the meeting took place, uh, place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Imagine if our prayer life was like that. When we pray and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit manifests himself by shaking the place where you're praying. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at verse 4. Where the Spirit of God manifests himself through the gifts and ministries in the body of Christ. In verse 4 it says, Therefore there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Listen to verse 7. But the manifestation or the exhibition or expression of the Spirit of God is given to each one. For the profit of all. So when you're operating the gifts of the spirit. Whether it's a gift of prophecy. A word of wisdom. Or, 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 or um, a word of interpretation or whatever. That is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Working through you. Not to profit for yourself. But to profit others. The spirit of God can express himself. For your benefit as well. As mine. One more, and then we'll close. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and look at verse 3 and 4. Even Paul relied on the Holy Spirit, on the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, to preach the message of the gospel. He says in verse 3, When I was with you, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. In verse 4, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but how? In the demonstration or the manifestation of the Spirit, and power. You know, that is something that is available to us every day. Where we rely on the Spirit of God, on the manifestation of His power and His presence in everything that we do in life. That is available to us. That is the power that's working in us. That causes us to do exceedingly abundantly and above all that we can ask or think. But it's according to the manifestation of and presence of the Holy Spirit that is within us. Oh, I can wish I can talk to you some more about this, but it excites me to know the power and the presence of God in our lives. And we can leave here gladly and, 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 and thankfully knowing that this is an everyday affair. This is not just once in a while. And even when you don't feel his presence, does not mean that he's not there. Even when you've not heard from him in such a long time, does not mean he's not going to come through for you. The manifest presence of God and the omnipresence of God and the indwelling presence of God is such a powerful thing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and mercy. Thank you, Lord God, for your presence in our lives. 
We thank you that each day, Lord God, we can wake up very much aware of your presence, very much aware that you are there. Thank you, Jehovah Shammah, for being there for us. Lord, we thank you as we look forward to fellowship. We look forward to being in your presence. We look forward for you being with us everywhere we go to help face whatever adversity we face in life. To be there with us through the good times as well as through the rough times. Lord, we thank you. You're God that is there and not absent. And Lord, we thank you for this. We honor you this morning and thank you and praise you for your presence here in this room. And those who are watching, we thank you for being in their presence as well, Lord God. And we give you glory and honor and praise. And Lord, we look forward to many more times of your presence in our lives each day for the rest of our days. And Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Before we release you, uh, let me just say this. Those of you who are watching, if you're watching for the first time, and if you've never ever given your life to the Lord, there's a number on the screen. Give us a call. There's someone who will be there in the office to talk to you and call you and, and pray with you and to also send you some materials your way to help you understand the decision that you've made. Those of you here this morning, we have a prayer that will, that will be here by, uh, on my right, your left, and some people over here that will be glad to talk with you and, and give you some materials and pray with you as well. If you want, you can come and see me as well. But, um, but don't miss this opportunity. God, God wants to reside with you and be present in your life. Because the moment you make that decision, God immediately comes into your life and spends the rest of your days with his presence. Isn't that wonderful? Glory to God. All right, thank you. And one other thing, if you're here for the first time, uh, first of all, thank you for coming and joining us and visiting us today. And uh, let me encourage you to stop by our Welcome Center out there. We have some wonderful people there that will give you a nice gift for just being here today. And uh, we want to bless you. And then if you can fill out our card out there, that's just our way of wanting to make ourselves available to you, to pray with you or to answer any questions that you may have. So don't forget to stop by the welcome table. We'd love to help you and, and pray with you and, and just make ourselves available to you. Amen? Amen? All right, God bless you. And we'll turn it to Pastor Ray.